Welcome to Scrappy ABM, your source for groundbreaking approaches that don't break the bank. ABM shouldn't cost 200K in tech to even get started. So if you want to get started with ABM or make your program even better without investing a massive amount of money, you're in the right place. Each week, we'll hear from the brightest minds in the marketing world who are redefining ABM, achieving incredible results with untraditional methods, limited resources, and a whole lot of creativity. This isn't a show about how much money you can spend on fancy tech or overhyped tools. Instead, it's about celebrating creative problem solving and the scrappiness it takes to get ABM right. We'll dive into how these marketing leaders built robust ABM strategies with limited resources, revealing the actionable insights that led to their biggest wins. So if you're a marketer ready to challenge the status quo and build a scalable, efficient, effective marketing strategy, Scrappy ABM is the show for you. So if you're ready to discover ABM strategies that are lean, impactful, and utterly transformative, let's dive into this episode. Today, I am so excited to be joined by my friend, Judd. He is one of the partners over at Red Monkey Consulting. Judd, thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me, man. You're excited. I'm excited. We're going to have fun. Always pumped to dive in. And this is a playbook that's very near and dear to both of our hearts. We're going to be talking through how you can take an account-based approach to LinkedIn organic. So Judd, I'm going to really just pass it over to you and kind of give a high level when we talk through that idea. What does that actually mean? All right. So... One, we all know most of us are on LinkedIn. So it is a fertile field of prospecting. And if we have an idea of who our accounts are, who our lists are, who our personas are, then this becomes a little bit easier. So by one, there, there, there's a couple approaches. Obviously, what we want to build to is being a thought leader, having a presence on the platform and being known for things that then associate back to the type of work we do. So there's a couple ways to get there. Some people don't just jump in and start posting content. Although I, I would highly recommend if you're going to do that, be consistent. If you're going to do two days a week, make sure it's consistently the same days. I recommend five, especially if you're going to be trying to use this as an ABM play. But in the meantime, you should be on other contributors posts, posting thoughtful content and really focusing on finding the ones that are in the same ecosystem as you and serve the same customer. This will expose you to their following. Now, what we're doing is when people engage, like, comment, connect, these are all indicators that this person is willing to have a conversation with you. It's not 100%, but it's pretty high likelihood. So when these things occur, just at a high level, the accept, go, you know, or, or send a connection request as a, and a thank you with a, hey, look, we're looking to network, let's connect. If there's a way we can help each other, fantastic. I've seen probably an 80 to 90% acceptance rate on these messages because one, I'm an executive. So people are like, cool, happy to have a conversation. Two, the content was relevant, they engaged with it and they did an outreach before I did. And three, everybody right now is in a place where they know that their specific network is extremely valuable, whether it's for a role, a promotion, you know, being on boards, getting side gigs, whatever it may be. So for all intents and purposes, this is not only just an ABM play, but it's a network building play that can serve you in a number of ways also. So there's multiple things and multiple ways to get value from this play. Yeah, I, I really love it. And I, you know, as I built this play myself, I call it the two screen method. Like I built my target account list on one screen. On the other screen, I just pull up LinkedIn and it's manual, but like I connected with all my target accounts that way. And I just I had somebody explain to me that like these other larger influencers and people that have great followings, 
like their posts are like a network within the larger LinkedIn network that already have the actively engaged followings. Like when I was early, I had tons and tons of comments that went way more viral than any post that I could make because the network and the following was already there. So like, I just love the call outs of like commenting on people that have larger accounts, literally just like connect one-to-one with your target accounts. And then I'm going to clarify one thing you had said, these people are likely to have a conversation. I think when we think through that in B2B, we may get a little bit of happy years and we're like, oh, having a conversation doesn't mean a sales conversation. Just like actually having a person to person conversation. Yep. And and there's a lot to that conversation that you've got to think through, but ultimately the, the entirety, the, the, what you're trying to get out of that, your, the action or the, the piece that you're trying to move the call to is a follow on. It's a relationship. So these are not like, like any ABM play you're going to run. It doesn't just happen magically. It takes time. You have to build trust and you have to build a relationship. So don't think they're going to get on and be like, let me buy from you. That doesn't work. Um, but as you have conversations, as you help to identify pain points, as you connect them with other people that can help them, you're already building this level of reciprocity that they feel towards you, where they want to do something with you. Because guess what? You're valuable. You're a valuable part of their network. So now maybe they don't have something, but they may introduce you to a friend who they just said they're looking for what you have. And, And there's a lot of ways to go, but that call needs to be thought of more as a networking opportunity or an opportunity to drive value and trust and nothing else. The second you move over into that sales call mentality, you're going to kill the entirety of that call. And that's your last call. You just killed the the opportunity. Yeah. I really love that. The, the only context that I would add is like, I've done this twice in like a mass way. And one was when I got a pretty significant promotion at my at a past job and I just told my network, actually two things happened. We got acquired and I got a promotion all in the span of like a week. <laughs> so it's just like a lot happened in my professional life. So I framed it up as like, hey, I'd love to, like, if you know anybody that struggles with these things, let me know. And I'd love to also just catch up. So yeah. like in that context, they had already known me. So it was kind of that thing. And the other thing is when I personally launched Scrappy ABM, I messaged a bunch of people. It was like, I'm out of my own. I'd love to like make you aware of what I'm doing in the event that this is helpful to you or anyone that you know. 50 people took the call, 50% converted into an actual opportunity. So like 25 opportunities, just because I framed it up as like, I'd like to make you aware of the things that I'm doing. If it's not valuable, awesome. Thanks for the time. If it is awesome, let's work together. Yep. And, and, you know, something to, to also then kind of call contextually, someone from a target account may engage, but if they're not even close to what you need, they may not be the person you want to get on a call. That's not always the case. I'm a big believer that sometimes the actual influencer in any deal is unknown. So you may find a champion or a coach out of that call. So also approach it as let's just understand like what's going on, where are we at, where do we relate? And, you know, I've had times where people's, you know, personal assistants want a deal for me and times when CEOs killed deals for me. So, Really, you know, this still goes back to the fundamentals of sales, too, that you do really have to think through your approach and take your time to fully qualify and understand the people that you're talking to. Yeah. So in that context, I know that a lot of the times that we're thinking through these account-based playbooks, at least within the context of this podcast, we're talking through like, where's in the funnel, what technology is needed, what content is needed. Like, there's a lot of questions that we typically like to go through. But what I love about this play is like, realistically, it could be done 
as a pipeline generation plug, which I think is where we're going to spend most of our time today. But like, I've also used it for acceleration of like deals are actively in pipeline, just continually showing up on their content as a reminder of like, hey, I'm here. <laughs> what is it? What's going on with the deal? And you never say anything. You just like be helpful. I've, I've also had opportunities where I've been able to get specific stakeholders involved externally. So we knew they were a stakeholder. They, we hadn't reached that stage yet, but they had engaged with something, which then made it easier when it happened. They already knew who we were and it made the deal move faster and more smooth. So there's a lot of ways to use this. It's not only top of funnel. It can yeah. be used anywhere within the process. And honestly, it can also just be seriously long-term value awareness play where these people engage with your target audience. And the more they're talking about you, the more trusted you become just like, you know, Amazon. Yep. Honestly, we were just talking about this before we hopped on the call, but like I was on a, I was on a prospect call earlier today and they looked me up on LinkedIn and said, oh, it looks like you're connected with Judd. Like we were in the same circles and there was immediate value and trust that was just established because we run in similar circles. And, and literally, you know, as, as, as we say this, right, that person literally texted me while on the call with you, like, I didn't know you knew Mason. I'm like, he's awesome. You should. And this is part of that trust building and networking effect that can really optimize, help drive that, that approach. Yeah. I also asked her if she would be able to join. So maybe she's in the audience. We'll see. Anyway, but the other thing that I love to talk through just very briefly is the expansion opportunity. So again, it's worth thinking through this as a way to actually potentially expand customers. How, how have you seen this work to help with customer expansion? I mean, it's the same way as net new. I mean, look, expansion for all intents and purposes, depend, it depends on the type of expansion, right? If you're doing seat expansion, headcount expansion, it's a little different. They have to have a need and you're not going to do a lot there. But let's say, for example, you need to get into a different department, right? One, if you know you're already in a department and you're doing your, your best there, you can target other, other people, other departments that you need. You can put up content and tag the company, which will show up on their feed too. You can talk about conversations you had with their counterparts specifically, which shows mm -hmm. that now there's a trust and a relationship already in play. And then you yeah. basically round it out with your normal approach or normal, you know, emails or calls or, or introductions that you would do. So now you're doing a surround of the account, which is what we would do in ABM any which way. I love that. So again, from a tech perspective, like, is there any tech that you would recommend people use? Okay, keeping it as simple as possible and as cheap as possible. The only thing you need for this is LinkedIn and wherever you want to store your info. It could be a spreadsheet. There's enough free CRMs though that you can do that and track everything you want. They even have personal CRMs if you don't want to put it into your corporate because you're, you're, you want to get them to a certain level before you put them in. But if you want to start spending a little bit, right? Premium version of LinkedIn is very helpful. So there's some interesting features that they've built in. And I just found this one, and I was telling you about it earlier, the fact that you can get an alert in your feed of somebody switching jobs. Well, sometimes you know that your purchase is best done for somebody who just switched or somebody you've already sold to is switching. And now it's a perfect opportunity to do an outreach. So some of these things really help to move things forward. The other piece is you can see as many profiles as you want. You get more outreach ability. And I don't believe there's a cap or it's pretty high a cap on how many connection requests you make. So that would be one that if you're going to spend a little bit of money, I believe it's like $60 a month. It's worthwhile. 
The only other thing that can be helpful, and this depends on how good you are at content creation or how much time you want to spend, ChatGPT, any of the AI components that can at least help put a framework together that you can then build off of. I would highly recommend not just having like uh, an AI uh, driven content creation process, full AI, just because a lot of people are now looking for it. And if your content does not feel authentic to you, people will pick up on that. So the authenticity of what you're saying and what you're doing should be apparent. So if they see you on a podcast, let's say, and they see your content and it does not align with how you talk, how you think, or what you're talking about, that's a red flag. Yeah. Yeah. A couple things there. One additional value for the paid version. This is a recent update. So I'm on free. Uh, I get limited on the number of personalized connection requests that I can send. I think it's like 15. So if I want to write a note with something that's a connection request, I only get 15 of those a week. So again, that's pretty limiting. Uh, and on that point around ChatGPT, like the way that I've been using it, that's been really helpful for LinkedIn content is I'll take a podcast transcript and I'll upload that to ChatGPT to reformat the content. So it's not starting from like, write me a post about Scrappy ABM. It's like my original thoughts now reformatted in a way that's logical. And then I edit it because like the dead giveaways are generally like a headline that's like account-based marketing. Here are three tactics. And it's like double-edged emojis. It's like, ah, clearly ChatGPT. So like... <laughs> removing that and restructuring it just a little bit so that it's a little bit edited. But like, those are some practical things that I've been doing with ChatGPT. And I'm I'm curious and from your perspective, Jed, anything that you'd add on to that? Create a persona. You know, when it's, a lot of people who've not really used it much think you just plug and play. You're training the AI. Train it to be you, to think like you, to understand how you talk, how you write, topics that are important you can keep doing that and keep a trained version so that when you plug it in it actually will output something more alike to what you would actually write or say and then you can go and make little edits and things just to, to obviously make it your own but if if there are time constraints that is something that helps if you can write the stuff yourself and be yourself and have that sound and tone and you're fine if you like doing content creation go for it right even though video, let's say, for example, is not optimized on LinkedIn right now, it will be again, as we know, the algorithm changes every other day, then go video, right? You don't have to write. If you want to go audio, go audio. Do whatever is the easiest means for you to communicate with your audience. Because ultimately, we want to put our best foot forward. You know, I will experiment from time to time between mediums as well. So right now I write more. Sometimes I use more imagery. Sometimes I will go to video. Sometimes I will mix and just see what plays to see, you know, what's actually happening there and, and, and where I might look because for all, for all intents and purposes, we don't know when the algorithm changes. We just got to keep testing just in case. Yeah. I really love the point around training an AI thread. I don't think a lot of people know that they can do that, but that's a thing that's super helpful. So like I really have a thread that's called Mason GPT. And I just fed it my LinkedIn content. I was like, this is my writing style. Like, help me understand how I write. Can you write other content and content in this style and tone and voice? Yep. So that's some of the tech side. And now I think this is a perfect segue into content. Because again, for a lot of people, they don't know where to start. They don't know really what the goal is. They don't know how to even frame up themselves. So I'm curious if somebody is starting to create content, like what recommendations do you have around the actual content creation side of LinkedIn. So the, the first thing to think about is 
while yes, you're probably doing this for your business, the power of personal brand here is exponential. And honestly, you can take it with you too. So you can bring value where you are or anywhere you go. So when you frame everything, you need to be thinking about what do I need to be known for? What, what space am I in? What are the topics that I like to talk about? And then from there, you can create your pillar content. I mean, it's really like, here's the interesting part. This is marketing, right? Marketing and sales. Every approach we take is still the same things, just maybe in a different order. And as we know, a content strategy, we've got to have our pillars. So what, what let's say, our top three or four, what format do I want? And then how do I want to communicate that? And if you take those three things, it makes creating the content much easier. So for example, ABM is a big topic, right, for use. But let's say you even want to go sub under there and maybe we're doing list building. There's a million things I can post on list building to be known, known as. And anyone who's having a challenge with the right list creation now sees you as somebody they should connect with or listen to or pay attention to. They're hitting the bell. They're looking at when you post. They're making comments or liking. And those are the things that you can create and generate by making sure you hit on what is that audience looking for? And now you're just providing it as the thought leader in that space. So yeah. pick your, your, your topics that lead back to what it is you're selling or what it is you need to be known for to move to there. So for example, though, and this is just a, a kind of, we'll call it the super user thought process. Just because you sell let's say sales tech, does not mean you need to talk about sales or sales tech. You can talk about go-to-market. You could be talking about ABM. You could be, these different things can then lead back to what you do. So you don't have to talk about everything you do specifically. And granted, yes, sometimes you might bring in stories and different formats of communication, but it does not have to be the exact thing and this is where I think a lot of people miss. They try to be like, oh, I do sales tech, so I'm going to only talk about sales tech. And then they switch jobs. And now they're in MarTech. And what am I doing? Starting from zero? So being a little bit more broad with your topic, but making sure that they can kind of go back to where you need, create that thought leadership space for you. And then once you've done that, the nice thing is you can generally kind of move where your, your conversation goes. So for example, my, my business partner, Sangra Badra, from Terminus, you guys probably know that from ABM. You know, he was known for ABM and now he's known for go to market, GTM. That was possible because one, they're tangential, but he'd also built a strong following and people wanted to follow this journey. And that automatically elevated him to thought leader in that space. Yeah. I think that's a great example. And the other thing that I've talked a lot about that, especially as I was getting early, it's just like the concept of learning in public. So like, it's okay to just talk about what you're actively learning. Cause generally speaking, what you're learning is generally tied back to a specific category or topic that you may inevitably want to be known for. So like when I first started, I didn't know what I wanted to be known for. I just knew that I like wanted to help other people. So I just talked about what I was learning and I figured, Hey, if I'm learning this right now, this may be helpful for someone else. And by putting enough reps out there, yep. kind of refined into this weird little niche of not just ABM, but scrappy ABM. I mean, you kind of hit on something there too. There are different types of content or ways, personas that you might be. So for example, um, you might be the shepherd, as I like to call it, the person who takes you to the knowledge. They're not saying I know it all, but they're the one who can get you in front of the right thing. So you get what you're looking for. There's yep. a leader, right? The person who says, I know, let me teach. 
And there's all different personas and approaches that you can take, right? And, and so, for example, yours is fantastic. Like, I am going to take you on the journey with me from learning. Well, guess what? You've now had the bangs and bruises. You've already done it. You've found the outcome. You've done a great job. People still want that. And they will still ask you for help and want to pay for it. So a lot of people think because you're doing it for the first time, people don't want your help. I think it's the exact opposite. Sometimes it's like I'm doing it in the moment and I've been successful and I've shared exactly how I did it. So you know what I'm doing and you've yep. seen it work. You've also seen what didn't work. Yeah. It's, it's always interesting, the balance of success and failure that you share publicly. Because honestly, especially on LinkedIn, I think a lot of people always share the successes, but it's the the posts that are failure that do bring back that authenticity that actually show, oh, like I, it, in a lot of ways, it actually adds validity to all the other success posts because it's not just always the same. I'm incredible. I'm amazing. I'm awesome. It's so I, I'm curious from your perspective, like, have you found an appropriate balance and you may not have thought through it, but just like the balance of the word, like, this is the success that I've been able to see versus the, these are the things that I screwed up and need some help with. You do have to be balanced for sure. Nobody just wants to hear all the mistakes or all the wins. I mean, I will say, you know, look, if everybody's on LinkedIn right now, you guys know it. Right now we're in a bit of an echo chamber. We're seeing a lot of the same type of content, the same things. I did this, talk to this, this is the outcome. And it, it, it's structured that way. And that's fine. But if you can find a voice that makes you stand out, you have a much higher likelihood of getting to your outcome. And we know that as the algorithm and things change, this is the downside of using a social media platform is that your approach will have to shift. The way you, 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 you do what you do will change. So for example, right now, LinkedIn has minimized reach, but optimized for engagement. For some people, that's good. If you've got a large audience, that's amazing. If you're in the midst of building your audience, that's bad. And you need to shift now. Do I change the type of content? Do I get hyper focused on protein? Um, or do I, do, I, do I shift my approach for right now and say, hey, I was in the midst of building, but maybe I need to harvest at the moment until a shift occurs and then go back to building. These are just things you need to be thinking about no matter what your process, no matter what your motion is. You've got to be consistently uh, pressure testing it and adjusting as necessary for whatever these potential changes are. Yeah. Okay. I know we're, we've got just a couple more minutes to help people as they're thinking through kind of an organic approach. So to just quickly recap, like identify your target account list, identify the larger accounts that are serving the same industry and same markets that you're going after create content that is relevant for a specific audience. You can become known for something that is helpful, is beneficial. Uh, make sure you're commenting, make sure you're liking, make sure that based on people that are engaging with you, that you reach out and you connect and you say, hey, let's hop on a call and just network a little bit. And essentially it's just, to put it bluntly, becoming a known entity and a known value within the world that is your target accounts. So that's like the high level that we talk through. As I walk through all that, Judd, is there any specific kind of tactical application that I missed as we've been talking through this? The only thing that I would, I would add, so we said, you know, know your account list. Well, a lot of us don't. And it's not easy to figure out your account list, especially if you're early. So for example, I've, I've spent two different times building companies using this methodology to a million dollars in under a year. When I started, I had no idea 
who might like I had an I like a guess at an ICP. And I use that to kind of say, well, what persona is that? What might it look like? And so really the tactic also helped me to understand what my list should include. And it helped me to drive deeper into what my ICP should be. So if you're paying attention early and you're not sure, look at who engages, look at the types of companies, see who goes through your full process and who converts, and you're going to get a better list over time anyway. Yeah. I love that point around essentially like ICP clarification. Because again, in a lot of ways, yes, like you can take an account-based approach to LinkedIn organic, but as you mentioned, the algorithm is going to put it in front of who it, who it deems fit. So if it puts it in front of somebody and they, they continually engage, we may not have connected with them in the first place or thought they were a right fit, but if they continually engage, they extra schedule a call, they buy from us and they end up having a great lifetime value and high profit, maybe we should consider that. <laughs> And that, that's the thing too. We always go in with an idea of who we think we're serving. Just like algorithm shifts, ICP shifts too. You know, as your product matures, as your business matures, so does your ICP. And so, you know, as we all know or should know, business is not static. And we need to constantly be reevaluating what we're doing, how we're doing it to optimize for the present and future. I love it. Okay, last couple questions. As far as roadblocks, like as you've done this a couple of times, what were the big roadblocks that came into play that made this maybe more difficult than you were initially anticipating? If you're using something out of your control, uh, the roadblock is they make changes that you have no control over. So for example, algorithm shifts. Easy one, right? My whole business is built on this approach and now everything has changed. So you do want to make sure that like, this is why you're constantly evaluating and rethinking the approach and also trying to build this into other approaches. This does not have to be your only. It is a good first approach. Uh, it's also a good approach to test to see if you want to move it forward. The other piece I would say, honestly, is just time. You need to do this a lot initially. You've got to get good at content creation quickly uh, because the amount of time you invest up front will minimize the amount of time you have on the back end. So be prepared to say, I'm investing time up front. It is a roadblock. It means you have to set aside that time. But if you're willing to do it, uh, it it's probably less of a roadblock than, than you would expect. But honestly, if you're listening to this and you're like, I should convince my executive team to do this approach, I think the time piece is actually the greatest roadblock if you're trying to scale this out to multiple team members. Because I've in every organization I've worked in, I've tried to get other people on board and it's just, it always comes back to, well, how do we make this like easier? How do we make this take less time? How do we, how do I scale comments? And I'm like, we can, we could hire a VA, but like a part of the personal brand is that it is personal. Like I can't know your thoughts. There, there are ways to do it, but I always say, if you're trying to convince others within your organization to do it, prove it first and show, what did this lead to? Hey, I've been doing this for three months. We've closed five deals. Okay, let's talk. Yeah. Do I recommend getting somebody to just write it for you? No, not really. You do want it, but there are ways to do it. You can record yourself and then have someone turn that into content. Yep. You know, you could, uh, I, I have a, a good friend who, who does this for others. Um, and Laura basically will get people on the call 
ask specific questions, take it, repurpose it, build it into content, and then put it out. And it literally sounds like them because all she did was take what they literally said in their tone, yep. translated it for them. It minimized time. So somebody might spend 30 minutes on a quick call, but then they get a week's worth of content. Yeah. No, that's, so a, that's a great point. Yeah. That's a great point. Okay. Last two questions. And you kind of already alluded to it, but as we think about results, I mean, what has been some of the results you've been able to see by taking this account-based approach to LinkedIn? Well, as I said before, two businesses to over a million in under a year, it works. It, and, and that's really primarily solo. If you have team members, if you have ways to expand or move it at a faster pace, you can definitely do better than that. Mm -hmm. And then what I really love about this approach, honestly, is it's a super low cost, super low lift way to prove that ABM is beneficial for our organization. Because right mm -hmm. now we are, it's hard as heck to get budget or time or resources. So this is one way that if you know this is it, if you're a true believer, go out, prove it, show the org, and then get the investment. It's just building a business case. Yeah. To pile onto that. I mean, and Judd, you, you know it from past organizations that we've kind of partnered with. Yep. This was the main strategy that I used in 3.2 million in two years, <laughs> primarily through LinkedIn. It's hard to argue when you actually invest the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'll tell you, guys, get scrappy. You know, like, yes, this, these are, are great ways. And, and, and I'm going to say this. This is not something Mason asked. But I promise you, if you're not sure... Contact Mason. He can help you guys get off the ground fast. You know, sometimes we do need a little bit of help to get out of our own way. We do that stuff. Mason does that stuff. It does not mean you have to figure it all out on your own. There's tons of resources. There are people on LinkedIn who are willing to help just for the heck of it. You know, we get, we both probably get on more calls than we can count just to help people. So don't think you've got to figure it all out. Go find help. Go show that you're that superstar because being great doesn't mean you know it all. It just means that you know where to look to get it. Great call out. I'll, I'll send you the commission after the call. Last question. Anything else you'd want to share with the audience just around, hey, you're building an ABM program. Like what, what's something that we didn't talk through that you see a lot of people messing up? When not to do ABM. Uh, so most people don't even think of this line, right? It's like, we can do ABM. Well, look, a full-blown ABM program, you're never going to target a one-to-one -one under 50K ACVs, 50K a year you know, in, in revenue because it's too costly. Your payback yeah. period is too long. You can't afford to do it. Now, there are other approaches. You can go to one to few, one to many and all these things. If you have to think down to a one to many, don't do ABM. At that point, general demand is great. And there's a million ways to approach it. So just really take the time to identify what is your actual buyer look like? What does a lifetime value look like? What would a, a, a CAC payback period look like? And that will help you determine if this really makes sense. Yes, you can do it cheap, but the point of doing it cheap is to eventually scale. And if that's what you're looking for, you need to make sure that you are a prime candidate for ABM. Yeah. I, I didn't know what where we were going to head with that one because I, I thought I had an interesting take on who should do ABM, but no, I fully agree. I always say scrappy then scale. So again, if there's no scale opportunity, shouldn't even get scrappy. I love Great. it. Well, Judd, thank you again for joining me today. This has been Scrappy ABM. We hope you all enjoyed. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Scrappy ABM. 
If you enjoyed this week's episode, go ahead and give us a follow so that you don't miss a single episode. We drop every single Monday so that you can start your week off right. And if you're looking for additional great content just like this, go check out ScrappyABM.com. We're building a library of frameworks, guides, templates, processes, and tools so you have everything that you need to build a low-budget, high-impact Scrappy program. Again, thank you for listening to this episode of Scrappy ABM. This has been your host, Nathan Cosby, and we look forward to seeing you in the next one.